Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the DNBR Rams podcast presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DNBR to take advantage of the deals. All right, y'all. Happy Monday. I assume most of you are hearing this maybe Tuesday. It is Sunday night when I am recording this. I appreciate everybody that tuned into DNBR Rams live this morning. Go live every Sunday morning, usually at 930 unless specified. Also have the live show on Thursdays and, of course, the audio-only pods, which you can find directly in your feed like this one. Uh, My written content can be found at thednbr.com. If you missed my takeaways from after the St. Mary's game, go check that out. I just kind of dove into some of the key sequences. St. Mary's made some big shots late, despite CSU playing pretty good defense. And, you know, I just kind of broke down why, despite being a disappointing result, don't get me wrong, you had an opportunity to play your way into the top 10 in front of a sellout crowd. At the end of the day, metric-wise, really not that big of a blemish on CSU's resume, life goes on. We knew they weren't going to go undefeated, be the 76 Hoosiers. And as I talked about on the postgame show, as I wrote, if you were going to drop one of these last non-conference games, this was the one that was going to hurt you the least. I think that eight days off has come at a much needed time for this squad. They need to try and get as healthy as possible. Um, We're going to talk plenty of basketball in the coming week. I'm actually going to get into some takeaways from the football season on this one kind of been putting it off. I don't know. I just wanted to focus on hoops, especially while they were winning, but I don't want to get too far removed from the campaign. And we're going to have a ton of uh, recruiting to talk about here over the next couple of weeks. So I figured this was a good time after that. We'll give an update on CSU women's basketball who remain undefeated. McKenna Hofshield just doing incredible things right now. Really, really making a strong case to be an all American. It's, it's quite something point guard university. They definitely got to retire four after this year for both her and Isaiah. We'll get into more on that later, but I just, I want to start with the football takeaways. And first things first, our guy, Dallin Holker, he got robbed. He should have been the Mackey Award winner, the best tight end in football. I understand that Brock Bowers is maybe the most physically imposing, most overall gifted tight end that's ever played college football. He's a freak. Even in that SEC title game against Alabama, when he's still not 100%, you see the things he's able to do in the open field. He moves well for being so massive. He's 
just a fluid runner. He can block. I mean, he really is a, a complete tight end. He's a lot like Rob Gronkowski. Just way too big for the opposing defensive backs, but too quick and fast for linebackers. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what this guy looks like at the next level. And had he stayed healthy all season, I think he probably would have been deserving of being a back-to-back Mackey Award winner. Because if you were just wanted to take any tight end in the country, it would be him. I get that. At the same time, though, he missed a third of the season. He only played nine regular season games. Dallin Holker led all FBS tight ends in total receptions and receiving yards. He was also top three in touchdown receptions, including finishing with six, the same amount as as Bowers. I mean, I guess maybe you could make the argument that because Bowers was able to have similar statistical production despite missing that time, it shows how truly dominant he is. And because of that, he should win the award. I don't know. It just, for a guy to miss that much time, it it feels a little ridiculous to me. And honestly, this just kind of felt like a situation where they might as well have just given him the Mackey before the award season started, before the regular season even started. Just give it to him in the preseason because everybody's mind was made up. It is what it is. It's not the end of the world. He's still going to get tons of recognition already been named a second team all-american by three or four different publications it's been awesome to see him getting this type of recognition on a national level i just thought he deserved to win the the mackie and i thought it would have been really cool to have csu win it twice in three years instead it ends up being georgia who wins it twice in three years hilarious that there were (laughs) georgia fans uh, chirping me online being like of course of course he didn't win. He plays at Colorado State. I'm like, Google the the winner before Brock Bowers, but he also played at Colorado State. Disappointing, I suppose, in the end. But, I mean, it, it feels somewhat similar to Ryan Stonehouse and how we look at his career. He never won the Ray guy. We all saw it in person. And Dallin Holker may not have the hardware for this season, but he caught the game-winning touchdown against Boise State. He scored twice in the Rocky Mountain Showdown, had a huge score on the fake field goal against Middle Tennessee. It was an epic year for him, and I hope to see him back next fall. As I mentioned on the live show, based on what I'm hearing, I don't really expect that anymore. I do think he's going to go pro, but uh, we're always going to be thankful he was a Ram nonetheless, and uh, we'll see what he ultimately decides. Before I continue with more football takeaways, High Plains Strains provides top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. Check them out for all your needs, including infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. There are three High Plains Strains locations in Colorado, one in Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, one in Sedgwick. So if you're in northeastern Colorado, they are the dispensary for you. You can save time by ordering online at highplainsstrains.com. You can also pick up with their super convenient drive throughs You don't even have to get out of your car. Make sure you use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Some of their deals include a full ounce for 80 bucks. You can get a Veritas 8th for 25 Mammoth 1-gram cartridges are 15 and Exquisite Extracts are 4 for 40 Remember to use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these High Plains Strains deals. With the holiday season coming up, I also want to talk to you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. They have been an OG partner. They've been rocking with us since day one. Now is obviously a perfect time to pick up some Breck Christmas ale. You can get it in the grocery store. You can check out the Breck Beer Locator, actually. 
at breckbrew.com. It's going to tell you the closest grocery store, liquor store, whatever near you that offers all of the sweet nectar of the gods that is Breckenridge beer. Can't go wrong with Christmas ale. Can't go wrong with a classic just like Avalanche Amber Ale. If you want to taste the summer and the winter, go with the Mountain Beach Sour. They've got a little something for everybody. They've been doing it for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I love Breck Brew. You love Breck Brew. We all love Breck Brew. All right, all right, all right. Let's keep it moving. Like I said, I've got 10 takeaways for the 2023 football season. Some of these are individual takeaways. Some of these are about units. Some of these are about the team as a whole. Uh, It's just kind of some stuff I've been jotting down here. But I do think the first unit that we need to spotlight and need to shout out is the offensive line because I think the O-line was the most improved unit on the entire team. When you look at the numbers, it's kind of hard to argue. In 2022, they allowed 59 sacks. That ranked 130th in the FBS. In 2023, they allowed 14 total sacks. That was 13th best in the FBS. 117 spots they moved up. And we saw an improvement of 45 sacks. That was the difference between 2022 and 2023. 59 sacks allowed versus 14. When you look at the the team hits, it's very similar. Uh, They allowed 46 hits on the quarterback, which was tied for 104th last year. They allowed 13 hits on the quarterback this year. That was tied for fifth best. Uh, If you're looking at the sacks and how they're attributed to, you know, sometimes a a quarterback gets sacked and it's the O-line's fault. Sometimes a quarterback gets sacked and it's the fault of himself. It was a situation where he needed to get rid of the football a little sooner. Of those 59 sacks allowed in 2022, 45 of them were attributed to the offensive line. That was 130th in the FBS. Of the 14 sacks that were allowed this year, only six were attributed to the offensive line. That was tied for eighth best. Eight were essentially, you know, covered sack situations where the QB needed to get rid of it a little bit faster. Um, Of the 46 quarterback hits allowed last year, 24 were attributed to the offensive line, which, you know, does kind of show you how much Clay Millen held onto the ball for too long uh, a year ago if, you know, 22 of those hits were not attributed to the O-line. This year, they allowed 13 hits on the quarterback. Only seven of them were attributed to the O-line. That was tied for ninth best in the country. Just insane improvement that we saw in the trenches this year. And the thing is, it wasn't all just pass protection. I know it took a while for the run game to, you know, really seem like it was making a huge impact. But when you look at the numbers in 2022 on third and short uh, conversion opportunities, when the Rams were running the ball, they converted 57.9% of the time. That was tied for 111th in the country. This year, when it was third and short and they ran the ball, they converted 85.7% of the times. That was seventh best in the country. Looking at the tackles for loss allowed in 2022 when running the ball, they had 110 tackles for loss allowed. That was tied for 130th in the country. In 2023, they only had 48 tackles for loss while running the ball. That was 13th best in the country. The O-line did their job this year. And frankly, the improvement that we saw was pretty extraordinary. And it's a testament to that unit. That's a really tough situation when you have four new guys coming in. And I do think it was huge that they were able to be there in spring and get those extra reps together. But the fact that they were able to be this consistent after the year that they had with 
you know, four guys jumping up from lower levels of competition. Credit the CSU scouting department. Credit offensive line coach Bill Best. Credit the work ethic of these individuals and taking this opportunity and really running with it. We heard from the beginning of last spring when the coaches were talking about these guys, how hungry they were, how hard they worked. And I mean, sometimes that's just lip service. You know, sometimes that's just coaches saying what, you know, they think they're supposed to say, but the the product on the field doesn't actually, it doesn't actually represent what was said with this team, with this offensive line, they backed up the talk and it was really encouraging. I'm really, really stoked that a couple of these guys are able to come back. We'll see what happens with Drew Cannon. It sounds like he was going to petition for an extra year of eligibility. Not sure what'll happen there, but you know, Drew Moss and, and some of these guys you get back, Jacob Gardner. It was just a very encouraging step in the right direction and an indication that this program is closer to establishing the the type of offensive identity that we want to see consistently. I mean, it, it takes time, guys. Like I, I said it before, I'll say it again. I do feel like this team was too talented to miss a bowl game. And so in that sense, it is a, a failed season. But I mean, you kind of, you kind of established something here with the O-line, with your young quarterback, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, which that that's the, the next takeaway here is he showed signs of greatness. Yes, there were moments of frustration, which there are always going to be with young quarterbacks. There are some things that I think he needs to be more consistent with. But at the same time, I also think he made throws that we haven't seen anybody hit in a really long time. I think the swagger and the mentality that he plays with is huge. I love that he has all this self-confidence. I think it's huge. Need him to cut back the turnovers next year. Need him to be a little bit more consistent, which is some of the intermediate stuff, you know, kind of taking what the defense has given you. And some of that's on scheme too. You know, you got to make sure you're putting your quarterback in a position to succeed. But what he showed in that performance on the road against CU what he showed down the stretch in the win against Middle Tennessee State and the comeback against Boise State and the comeback against Hawaii. I mean, it's it wasn't on him. He made some big throws down the stretch there. You just hope to see him take it to the next level in the, the coming seasons. It'll be interesting to see what happens there as far as the quarterback position goes, if it is a true open competition this spring or not. I would think that BFN would come out on top of that. I just think it's also a good idea to see what you have in Jackson Brousseau. And I mean, given how these last couple of years have gone next year is huge. You, you really got to make the postseason. but I do think that Braden showed some, some signs here of, you know, true greatness. I mean, his arm talent is through the roof, the accuracy on that throw to Tory Horton to set up the Hail Mary, which was a perfect throw as well, especially in that situation. But that throw to Tory was was a dime, and you could say the same thing about the the game tying touchdown late on the island. I mean, he dropped that in a bucket. I think he's got all kinds of potential. Just need him to to take it to the next level. It's pretty simple. Uh, keeping it moving here, Justin Marshall's breakout freshman running back at the end was a silver lining in a disappointing finish. Obviously, you wanted to make a bowl game. You should have made a bowl game. We don't need to to beat a dead horse here, but the explosion that we saw from him the vision, the fluidity and elusiveness. He he did some things out there that we haven't seen in quite some time. And you know, we're kind of joking after that first game, 
he's Justin Marshall or, you know, Justin Marshall Falk because he looked like Marshall Falk with how smooth he was out there. He only played in three games this year. He had 311 rushing yards, which was second on the team to Van Shield, who had 389. Shield played in three times as many games. That's, you know, Shield was awesome this year. That's not me trying to poke holes at him or anything like that. That's just pointing out how productive Marshall was over those last couple of games. Average 5.5 yards per carry, a team high. He just had a burst to him that was different. And you could feel that impact when he's out there, how hard he hits the hole, you know, how quickly he's able to make an impact for this team. I'm really excited about what that could mean moving forward, especially with, you know, Damian Henderson healthy. And I assume, you know, Van Shield's still in the mix as well. I think he's earned that that opportunity to be in the stable after stepping up for a major way for this team over the last year. But the future of the the running back position looks very, very encouraging, as does the the wide receiver position, which that's my next takeaway here. Lewis Brown, Justice Ross Simmons, they're next. They had the type of season I wanted to see. Uh, Lewis Brown, he had 47 catches for 481 yards, five touchdowns. Justice Ross Simmons, 45 catches, 724 yards, three touchdowns. Justice Ross Simmons, more of a stretch-the-field target for this team. Lewis Brown ended up being a really consistent threat in the red zone, especially when teams were paying a lot of attention to guys like Dallin and Torrey. You hope that Torrey Horton is back next year. He had a huge season, 96, cat, 96 catches, excuse me, for 1,136 yards, eight receiving touchdowns. If you can get all three of those guys back, man, you feel good, especially with SMU transfer, Dylan Goffney still in the mix. He kind of came on strong down the, the stretch there as well. Uh, he finished with 23 catches, 298 yards, two touchdowns. It was just great to see CSU get multiple offensive weapons involved, which is something that they weren't able to do. You still saw Tory have his type of production because he's just that damn good. But the fact that you're able to break out with some of these other guys and you're going to need them to take it to the next level, especially potentially if you don't have Dallin back next year, you know, you need a guy like uh, Vincent Brown who they brought in Juco transfer to potentially be the big play threat that we expected when you see his like six, seven frame reminded us a lot of Cole Turner coming out of Nevada. I just thought there was a, a strong foundation set offensively again, kind of going back to what we were talking about there with the offensive line, with the young quarterback, with these sophomore receivers who honestly got thrown into the fire the year before were put on the field way too early before they were even competent enough in the playbook to be out there. It just, it really limited CSU and what they were able to do offensively. It's tough if you don't even know if your receivers, you know, know what they're supposed to be doing out there. And that's not a shot at them. That was just the the reality that they were in because all of those guys decided to transfer midseason. CSU had invested all of spring ball, all of fall camp into these vets. You think you're going to have them and it's going to work as sort of that transition year. I mean, I do think you would have saw, you know, Justice Ross Simmons and Lewis Brown come on a little bit as the season progressed, kind of like what we saw with Justin Marshall this year. But the fact that those guys got thrown out there against, you know, like Wazoo week three or whatever it was and, ended up starting the the majority of the season. It was just a really tough spot. They looked much, much more comfortable this year. I'm really excited. I think there's a, a bright future for that group. And the last thing I want to say about just this wide receiver unit as a whole, Torrey Horton's toughness was an underrated storyline in this season. The dude took a beating. Every week, though, he was back out there. You'd see him just get murdered in the open field and 
five plays later, he's back out there making a, a big catch on third down to move the sticks for CSU. You know, there were a couple of situations where, like UNLV, where he wasn't able to, to finish the game. And honestly, man, I, I just, I was so impressed. You knew that he had the talent. You knew he was a hard worker. I mean, the, the more time I've gotten to spend around him since he's come over from Nevada, the more I've just become a fan, frankly. He's going to be one of my favorite players of all time because he's just one of those guys like a Michael Gallup, like a Rashard Higgins, a Trey McBride that has all the talent, but they go about it the right way. They, they treat others the right way. You know, they're, they're role models for their teammates. They would leave it all on the field for their program, which just is frankly not something you can say for every wide receiver. Some of those guys are kind of prima donnas. I mean, Jay Norvell's even joked about it. They're sports cars, you know, they're, capability is insane, but one little thing is off and oh yeah, my, my ankle's a little, a little sore today. I can't go. Sorry, coach Tori. That dude's a, a 92 civic. I mean, <laughs> he's going to have 300,000 miles, but rain, sleet or snow, that dude's going to get where he needs to go. And I'm just thankful that we've all gotten this opportunity to watch him these last couple of years. I'm going to keep these takeaways rolling, but real quick, buying tickets has never been easier with our friends at game time. Guys, I don't know about you, but my least favorite process when it comes to trying to go to a sporting event or especially a a concert or a comedy show, I'm a big stand-up comic fan looking forward to seeing the the Sandman, Adam Sandler in Denver uh, this week. Actually, it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, But the thing about buying tickets with most sites is you, you see one price you think, ah, not not so bad. That's a pretty good deal, actually. And then when you get to the checkout, they jack on like 40 more dollars of hidden fees and service fees and convenience fees and uh, a fee just for fees' sakes. I mean, it really has gotten ridiculous. Not with game time. The price you see is the price that you get. They have awesome deals, including the lowest price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Nobody does right by the customer like our friends over at Game Time. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. I mean, they, they really do hook you up in a major way. Download the app, create an account, use the code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply again, create an account, redeem that code DNVR for $20 off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Finally, with the holiday season coming up, our homies at Shady Rays have got you covered for really anything you want to do, whether it's skiing, you want to hit the beach, maybe you're going on a vacation. They've got gear that's built to last. They're an independent sunglasses company, but they make a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair I've ever worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. They offer the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Excuse me, every single pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can shop the entire collection at their brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or just return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. They always have your back exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. All you got to do, go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right, keeping these takeaways moving, we're talking about the kicking position, which proved to be huge this year. 
Uh, Jordan Noyes, 29 of 29 on extra point attempts, 15 of 19 on field goal attempts. Dude has a cannon of a leg. We saw that in multiple clutch situations this season. And I think he is CSU's best kicker in probably a decade. I mean, probably going back to like Jared Roberts. It's it's really been a huge addition. And I think I've talked about this already, but in case I have not, they found out that he has gotten an extra year of eligibility. So he'll be back next year. Love that. It's just such a rare feeling to not be completely terrified of, of having your kicker go out there at the collegiate level. It can be a roller coaster experience to say the least. And uh, Jordan Noy as, as, as important as the additions like Dallin Holker, where I would say the offensive line additions were the most important transfer additions. Jordan Noyes is, is very much up there as well. And I look forward to seeing him back in Fort Collins, obviously a cool story, just data three, you know, former soccer player. The fact that he's been able to make this work is, is pretty neat. Uh, keeping it moving here, going over to the defensive side, Mo Kamara had the best season by any CSU defensive player since Shaq Barrett, that's not exactly a hot take. I mean, Shaq Barrett was the last player to win Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year a decade ago. Now Mo does it. What I mean, though, is just in terms of the way that he was so individually dominant, the way he could take over key stretches, and it seemed like offensive lines couldn't do a thing about it. Like, if you took an alien and had him watch that Rocky Mountain Showdown and you didn't tell him anything about Power 5 conferences and you showed him, you know, their O-line versus Mo and said, who plays at the the bigger school, who's a power five player. You would have guessed Mo. He just, he was unblockable. And I'm still pissed that he got ejected for targeting in that one. I felt like Mo coming back in that second half against Middle Tennessee State is the biggest reason they won that game. Obviously had the safety against San Diego State. He's one of those guys that I'm just absolutely heartbroken. Not only didn't even get to win a bowl game, but never even got to play in one. It's a shame. His loyalty is something I'll remember and appreciate forever. He was always so great to interview as well, but I'm just glad that it paid off for him and that he's going to be like a, a second, third round pick at the very latest because he's a freak and, and he deserves it. 56 total tackles this year, 17 tackles for loss, 13 sacks. Really felt like the second coming of Shaq. And I, mean, I don't know, I never thought I would see somebody be as individually dominant as somebody as Shaq was in that, that New Mexico bowl effort against Washington state. And he had so many moments like that throughout his career where it was just like, I'm just going to take over and get a defensive touchdown here. I mean, he really was so special, but uh, Mo Camara, something else. And I, I'm, I'm just thankful I got to cover a player like him. And I, I think it's really cool that he got to have this type of individually great season despite the obviously disappointing result for CSU as a team. Um, keeping it moving. Newer Gat Kuth and Boom Jack, those guys are next. I, I'm so intrigued by these young defensive linemen. Kennedy McDowell, I mean, really was flashing before he got hurt. He's a guy that needs to put on a little bit of weight, but he will as he develops. The future is bright in the trenches. I mean, losing Buddha Williams, that was... That was a big loss, unfortunately. I mean, Mo talked about how much he learned from playing underneath him, cited him and Freddie Banks specifically as the reason he decided to come back to CSU. So keep that in mind, you know, for some of you that are carrying torches and, you know, trying to run Freddie Banks out of town. I mean, he was a very hot commodity going into the season, and I don't think that he just 
forgot how to coach. I mean, I will say the defensive regression as a whole was kind of frustrating just in terms of not being able to get stops in key moments. The numbers are whatever. I mean, all of that can be situational. Like, you know, where's your starting field position and how is time of possession a factor? Like that was a huge struggle for CSU against Nevada and San Diego state in the third quarter. Both of those games, I think the opponent possessed the ball for like 12 minutes. Hawaii did that at one point to CSU. That's, that's brutal on a defense. So, you know, give them another year. I think they've got a lot of intriguing talent. I mean, losing TJ Crandall in the secondary sucks. You don't want to be considered a a farm system for P5. And a lot of these teams around the Mountain West, it's really kind of starting to feel like that. But uh, newer Gatkuth especially is a guy who I think has just a, a huge future. I mean, he's just so gifted physically. He's got great length. He's got massive, massive size for such a young guy he's going to be an NFL player. Like you will see that guy on Sundays someday, uh, keeping it moving. These are more general, but the biggest missed opportunities of the year, in my opinion, were CU and UNLV Hawaii. Technically you had a chance there. I didn't feel like CSU played well enough in that game really to have it viewed as a, a missed opportunity. Technically speaking, you know, you were favored. It's an opportunity to play your way into the postseason. So it is, but I just, I felt like CSU outplayed CU and UNLV and found ways to lose those games, which is unfortunate. The The Boulder game is up there with, you know, like 2004, 2005 losses to CU, the 2017 Boise State game being on the sideline for that 98-yard drive and then the overtimes while standing next to Bradley Van Pelt. Like, uh, it just, it went from the coolest moment of my young life to an absolute nightmare in like five minutes. And then UNLV, I mean, you have an opportunity to, you know, beat a team that played for a conference championship. You took the lead twice in the last five minutes, just unable to get a stop. And that was definitely a, a struggle for CSU and, and multiple losses, unfortunately, not able to get a stop late. You know, I would have liked to have seen them be a little bit more aggressive in some of those situations. But again, it's all contextual and it's really easy for me to Monday morning quarterback it when you've got to look at every single situation and assess the different factors, like, you know, how how long had your defense been on the field? What's the injury situation? You know, it's just, it's a situation where they've got to be better. Like, I can make excuses until, you know, I'm blue in the face, but at the end of the day, it sucks that this team missed a bowl, and it sucks that they had those missed opportunities to get really big wins against good teams. I mean, you beat CU and UNLV, the whole context of that season changes. I mean, not only are you in a bowl, but you're going into that game against Hawaii, potentially playing for like a much better bowl. It's just, it's a shame that it played out that way. It is what it is. It's been a losing program for a long time now. And unfortunately, you know, that's on Norvell to try and turn that around, which is a heavy, heavy burden, but I believe in him. So I I think they will get there. Uh, My final takeaway from football was that Boise state was CSU's best regular season win since the on-campus stadium opened up against Oregon State in 2017. I've been very honest that the feeling I get walking into Moby Arena is the exact opposite feeling I get when I walk into Campus Stadium, which is just kind of a... It's a pit in my stomach, frankly. It's like I'm always waiting for the other shoe to fall. If CSU's up, I'm waiting for them to blow it. If they're down, you're waiting for it to turn into a route. I just don't have good energy in there. And it's because I haven't experienced many good moments. I mean, you can look at the 2020 border war, which was a lot of fun. And I think that was a moment that 
we all needed in a really tough fall, a really tough year. But without the fans there, it just it was a little hollow. It wasn't quite the same. I know the Arkansas win was a lot of fun, but that team, that whole season, 2018, is one of my least favorite seasons ever. I felt like a lot of guys on that team kind of quit. You know, I don't know. It just... I felt like the the win over Boise was huge. And as frustrating as this year was, to finally snap that streak is huge. Honestly, I'd love to see the Boise State game get replaced with Washington State or Oregon State next year. Just be able to, you know, have that streak go a little longer without, you know, an L to the to the blue there. But that was a huge night. It was so special. I'll remember it forever. And despite the the way that this season played out in the end, I do think that two, three years from now, assuming that Norvell does in fact turn it around, I think that's a moment where we kind of look back on and say, you know, that's really that's where this team really started to kind of turn a corner. It wasn't perfect. You still had some frustrating moments along the way. Wyoming and Hawaii in particular. Air Force, that's just a good team on a really weird night. I think if it was clear whether CSU maybe wins that game. I honestly do think that was that big of a factor for the passing offense. Uh, but huge win. That that win over Boise was huge. I'll remember it forever. And I, I don't want that to get lost in the disappointment of how the season played out. All right, before we get out of here, like I said, I did want to give an update on CSU women's basketball who remain undefeated. It's been a great start. They are 8-0, coming off of a gritty road win over Montana, 78-69. to McKenna Hofschild, she put up Nikola Jokic numbers in this one. 36 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers. I mean, I'm going to say that again. 36 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, she shot 13 to 23 from the field, so a fairly efficient night. Six of 10 from three-point range, four of four at the line. She's insane. She's absolutely insane to do that on the road. Shows you the type of player that she is. She has been one of the most efficient scorers. She leads the country in assists per game. I mean, she's really putting together an All-American campaign. And I still, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm a little worried about this team's lack of size in the paint and how that's going to play out against teams like UNLV, uh, teams against Wyoming, or teams like Wyoming, excuse me. But I am encouraged that at least to this start here, and I know they haven't played a ton of great teams, but they're only allowing 54 points per game. That's 28th best out of 360 teams. So, I mean, the, the defensive side, it all starts there for this group. You know that they're going to be able to score. Can they consistently win on the glass? Uh, what do they do against teams with significantly more size? I think the uh, the December 20th game against Mississippi State in Moby Arena will be a really good test of that, as will the uh, the conference opener at San Diego State on December 30th. This team has a great opportunity to be in the mix for a Mountain West championship. UNLV is really good. You got to get through San Diego State. You got to get through New Mexico and the Wyomings of the world. But uh, it's been a great start. And McKenna Hofschild is incredible, absolutely incredible. So wanted to make sure that we shouted out her and, you know, try and shout out that program as much as we can. I know I don't cover them full time. I do what I can, guys. I'm a one man beat. I try and, you know, highlight as much positive CSU things as I possibly can. I certainly would love to be able to do a little more on the women's side, especially with hoops and soccer and volleyball, all kind of doing their thing. But at the end of the day, it's it's just me and 
you know, I can only do so much. But um, yeah, shout out to McKenna Hofschild. Shout out to CSU Women's Basketball. Shout out to Ryan Williams. Y'all are ro- rolling. I uh, hope to see you finish it out with a couple of big West games here. They go to Long Beach State on Friday the 15th. Follow that up by a home game against UC Irvine before that big one against Mississippi State that I was talking about. That's all I've got for today's pod. Shout out to everybody for tuning in to DMVR Rams Live this morning. Um, we'll have more content over the coming days. Plenty to dive into on the hoop side. We'll see where the Rams come in on the rankings and all that. Much love, y'all. Always proud to be. Peace. Thank you.